And now, it's time for Miss Weed Wiki Speaks. listening to Miss Weed Wiki, and I'm here today with my guest and good friend, Jason Mr. Birds Fraser, who's an old school friend of mine who we've known since high school, and is one half of the duo that produces the Gas Station Montreal podcast that'll be coming to your favorite podcast uh, player very soon. Hi, Jason. It's great to see you and great to have you on my show. Thank you for joining us. Could you tell my listeners where you're joining us from? Hey, good morning, Lisa. Hi, I'm joining you from Montreal, Little Burgundy, a.k.a. Berg. That's right. It's my dad's old hometown, too. (laughs) It's good to have (laughs) you. I'd love to tell our listeners about your journey with cannabis. So could you tell me where it all started for you? Do you remember the first time you got high? (laughs) Um, Actually, I think it it was in camp. I think I was about 14 years old. I caught these guys in the woods smoking a hash. I was like, uh, what is that? You know, long story short, sleeping early that night. The rest is history. (laughs) How? Wow. And you were 14. How did did your parents, um, did they notice a difference with you? Did they catch on immediately? Oh, no, no, no. I never went home. Like, I, that was the first time I didn't start smoking regularly. So I was like 15, 16. That's when I really started, you know, going out, hanging with the friends, smoking in the park, you know, doing the teenage stuff. Right, right. And so it must have been hard. Or was it easy for you to get access to weed those days? Um, I, I got to say easy. I have to say easy. Because it was all around. Hey, I'm from, um, what do you want to say, a ganja house? I'm from a weed house. So I was brought up born and raised around it. So it was pretty easy in my my neighborhood. Little Burger, it was very, very easy access to weed. And how did the community, did you find, feel about weed? How did, like, was it accepted if you used it? Or did you find, like, you had to, to defend it? It was... It was accepted amongst, I guess, our age group, our friends, but it's still frowned upon amongst the elders. Certain elders still look at it as still a drug, per se. But on a whole, it was it was accepted to a certain degree where it wasn't publicized like it is in the rap songs and the videos and on the movies now. But it was still a it was still a cool thing to do. Let's put it that way. It's a cool thing to do, much less than needed or useful was really the cool thing to do. Right, right. We had to stay in touch with the time, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And you know what? Montreal, we were always in touch with the time, you know? That's it. That's it. We're always up to pace. I think we, as youngins, and I'm talking our age, us who are over 40 now, we we caught the, the tail end of the drug phase where I think the generation above us was still on doing trying to cope and all that we never really messed with that so i think we was our gateway per se but to stay focused much less to go on the other drugs that were already around us so i thank you right i i never um i was in college the first time i smoked weed and you're right the hash cigarette 
was prevalent because everybody would mix like hash or gum with tobacco, right? Uh, no. Oh, no, not too many. Only real weed heads would obo gum in because even to this day, certain people don't obo gum that that, that ten times powerful equivalent to hash. You know, so I had to shout you over for bringing up the gum. <laughs> you know, I found um. Um, I actually, let me show it to you. It's in a different container. But <coughs> I have Jamaican gum that I got from the indigenous um, reservation, Alderville, a couple wow. of weeks ago. So yeah, you're right. It, it is a, it's definitely an OG term, definitely. Yep. Um, but yeah, people were, I think a lot more tobacco smokers for our generation. So it was easy and cheaper for them to mix, you know, the, yeah. the gum with, with their tobacco with their, and they would repack their cigarette with it. Right. I remember those. Days. Right. That's right. That's how we smoked it. Like you have to be either rich to really mix your weed with your gum. Cause it was expensive back then. Right. Like a gram of gum was 20 bucks. You know, a gram of weed is $10. So you mix that and that's a $30 joint. You're right. And we didn't have that money. Not those days. <laughs> Basically, that was the moon rock before we got moon rocks now. Exactly. Exactly. And we were not, we did not have moon rock money those days. No, no definitely no. not. We had to improvise. Exactly. Yeah, the, the, that was a college high school was really the hash and tobacco. That was a, that was really popular. Little hash joint, puff, 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 pass, puff, puff, pass, and everybody stoned for the day because hash was good back then. Cashmere, the Moroccan, you know, the Afghani hash, all of that was good back then. Yeah, it was. It was. The first time, though, I remember really getting high was on a school trip with Dawson to Howard University. And uh, we met up with some students at Howard and <laughs> we met up with, a, with their friends. And um, they started passing a blunt around. And in my head, I'm like, yo, this is a real blunt, like in the <laughs> I don't think I took more than two puffs and I was high, high. And I was like, okay, maybe this is American weed. Cause I never really got high when I was in Montreal. And then when I moved to Toronto, then I, I started getting high when I would be around people socially smoking. So. It, it's wow. different. It's different. You know, my, first, my first real, real high experience was we uh, <clears throat> with five of us. Some guy just came in with like a quarter pound of weed. He got a free whatever. So he said, Yo, let's roll some joint. This is, I mean, like I had to be 17. So we start rolling the joint. Sometimes you pass it, you pass your joint around. It's common, you know, shout out to COVID, no more passing, but whatever. Right. <laughs> but with five of us, so we rolled one joint, started passing my notice. Everybody started rolling the joint themselves. And they kept on passing it. So by the time one joint left your hand, the other one was coming in. And it was, uh, I just remember one of my friends saying, watch, okay, these guys are young, because they were older, like anything we do, they're going to start laughing. And I just remember him saying, yo, Jason, look at me. And he just smiled. And I was finished. When I tell you I laughed and I laughed, I was on the floor, the tears were coming out, my belly was getting cramps. That was the story I remember my first, first, first real high experience. The, the, the laughing was so painful from just being high. Like anything you did, you could have just 
smirk. I was <laughs> rolling over. That was, I knew from then I was going to like be high up. Went home. My mother knew because I went home. I rated the phrase. But, you know, them times, 16, 17, shout out my mom and pop. They knew I smoked. My father was a weed heavy smoker. One, I couldn't smoke a joint with him till I was 18. You know, and and and, and I I look at it today. I was like, you know what? It was such a respect thing that he, he knew I was smoking. I was still not a man in his eyes yet. Like that legal age, so he wasn't smoking. My 18th birthday, but I... Past my father to join, I felt like I was, oh, I made it. Man, I, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just that feeling you get when it's, I don't know, I love weed. I love the feeling that I love the unity that weed brings around people. I, I love that there's, like, I, I keep on telling everybody, and I'm not condoning it, but I'd rather be on a road with 10 people smoking a joint than one person drinking beer. I agree. I agree. Um, and I think whether it's five, 10 years from now, um, society is going to have a different view of what, you know, cannabis does or how it interplays with driving versus alcohol. I think um, the government was very quick to amplify people's fears and biases under the guise of, oh my gosh, there'll be, you know, weed ravaged drivers on the road. And two and a half years later, uh, post legalization, that's not the case. That's not the case at all. Yeah, yeah. We're still having way more drunk driving deaths and drunk driving related accidents than you hear of cannabis accidents. So you test and see how much of THC they have in the system that cause that accidents. Like, come on. Yep. Yeah. Sounds a little insane to me. Well, so what would you say then has been the difference in cannabis for you in Montreal since legalization? Because you know what your life was like, and you've told us a lot about it before legalization. How has cannabis legalization changed weed for you in Montreal? Um, on a whole, it hasn't. Honestly, it's got the back market better for us over here. Because here, this is again, this is my personal opinion. I don't go to the QD. I can't remember the name. That's but that way we go to it because. I've tasted their weed and I've compared it to the black market that's been smoking and I will not shop there if I get proper weed for the black market today, still in this day. Quebec, I think their market hasn't adapted enough to compete with the black market yet at this level. Maybe now in the last six months, four months, three months, they've stepped up the game. I must, must say, but I still always shop in the black I'm still going to shop on a black market because I think I think the the growers on a black market still have the green thumb, still put their heart and soul into the weed that's still being produced. And to me, it's got better in the last five years. Then don't get me wrong, all of these names get me so confused sometimes. But there's certain strains that sound dope, like the gelatos and the pinks that's been coming around recently. I, I'm not changing. I love the taste. I love the high. I love the look, I love the texture, I love how the buds come out. It's just completely different. Even like you're saying, we, we were talking before, even on the reserve, like their weeds and their concentrations and everything is the QSDC can't touch what the black market is still doing or what Oak is still doing, the reserves are still doing. So for me, it's just, it's a no brainer for me to stay on the black market until if they want to step up their game, until they go hire the real growers to come work for them. I don't know, but 
Quebec's market on a whole, no, I'd rather stay with the back market because it's, it's only improved since I've been smoking. Like from the days of the M39 to the pink gelato now, it's, it's like 150%. Right. And, it, and it's interesting too, because um, even listening to you talk, outside of Quebec, everybody else calls it the legacy market. But in Montreal and in Quebec, it's like it's still so strong there. Everybody I've spoken to, they still call it the black market there. Even when they yeah. were legal, it's just the terminology is so embedded, I find, there compared to outside. Because it's almost like outside of Quebec, like in other provinces, the legal markets wanted to set themselves apart so they called legacy out calling it legacy more i think whereas um uh now i find with the legacy market outside of quebec that is more about the advocacy the old school growers the passionate growers um with if you actually i think tell somebody or say to them, okay, what about say the organized crime element? That's what they would consider black market or the criminalized legacy market. Right. They don't even want to call that legacy. They don't even, you know, they don't, they don't even want to call it that if we're keeping it 100. So um, it's interesting. You see how even the layout of the land is different outside of Quebec, right. Compared to how it is there. Yeah. It's funny because if you go outside of Quebec, I'd want to go and check you guys' shop in Toronto because of the high rating. The high, it's, you're supposed to go there, Vancouver's, and check these shops. I, you don't want to come to Quebec and do this. The first thing is like, oh, let me go to QSBC. Uh, okay. No. Yeah. It doesn't attract you like that at all, at all, at all. Not even from a, a bud growing perspective, right? Like. Exactly. Like, you know, you say whether you want to go, like BC's legal weed is every bit as popular, like compared to other legal weeds of other provinces, as is BC's craft weed or BC's legacy weed, because they, they have a long known legacy of, you know, cultivating superior butt out there. Like, I don't know if it's their weed, but. First time I tasted Girl Scout cookies was from BC. Yeah. And it's been fired the whole time. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I loved how you touched on generational cannabis use in our community. You've <laughs> got kids of your own. How do you feel about them using cannabis? Um, it doesn't bother me. Like it's like three, it's three generations of a smoke. Right. Me and my daughters. So it was expected. Yeah. Never frowned upon. Like whereas, yes, they kind of started early. Yes, I was a little flat. Call it um, I don't know, fatherly daughter issues where I didn't want my daughters to smoke as early. Whatever. One started early. One started late. You know. But do I frown upon it? No. I smoke my daughters. Yes. You know. Give me. Give me. You want a joint? Can I have a joint? That's how I am with my father. That's how my daughters are with me. So I am not frowned upon. Like again, I told you, I come from. We are born into it. So my whole family smokes. Like, like out of out of a hundred of us, <laughs> out of a hundred of us, like, like sixty of us smoke weed. Right. But so it's, it's been around. 
it's such a beautiful community though. You know what I'm saying? Like to, you know, to, I, I low key can't wait until my son's an adult. I'm looking forward to the, the bond of smoking and passing to him and the conversations that are going to come from that. Cause you don't have this feeling. Cause I know your dad doesn't smoke like that. So I know you haven't. So, but when I go as an adult now and sit down and have a conversation with my father, it's like, yeah. And, you're passing the joint and it's coming back and you, you look at it. So I just remember the story now that you're saying that because my dad's house, you have the front room. That's where all the adults go and smoke. Whoever doesn't smoke goes. So I'm looking and one day my little cousin, she came in, she was 18 and she was like, yay, I can come into the smoker room with the adults. <laughs> you know, it's like the... They look forward to going to this room now that they can sit down legally and smoke with my father. My father's like, that's his room. You can only go in there. If you're a kid, get out, get out the room. You're not allowed in there. But if you're 18, you smoke, you're allowed into the room. So, you know, they kind of look forward to hitting that room. Not to say they weren't smoking before or they were smoking young, but now that you're allowed to and it's legally accepted, hey, you're now you're one of us, per se, and you're in the clan now that you can smoke. They love it. They that's love it. So much to the community of the plant and it, it almost, it makes me angry how, you know, the hundred years of cannabis prohibition took that from us. You know, imagine, can you, you know, can, it's almost like if you take your, take it a step further and imagine what life could have been like if we weren't told to not touch this plant or weren't criminalized for it, you know? Those were those would have been rituals that would have been continuing and bonding relationships that possibly could have you know continued generally uh, generationally. Not to mention the healing from they took that away from us from the peace pipe from the natives. Yes. No, so it started way back then. So we missed like we're talking hundreds of generations that we missed that could have been still, you know, they it. Cannabis has been around for a long time. Maybe it wasn't called cannabis, whatever, but I know, oh, I, I, I'm assuming what was in the peace pipe was cannabis. It's not even That's a bad assumption. Is. The indigenous community will tell you that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, it, there's so much um, we need to do to re-knit that consciousness and that community with the plant. And, and um you know, going forward, I'll look at it as, you know, legalization is going to bring on um, a new dawn <laughs> for us and our relationship as a community with the plant, hopefully. But now, you see here in Quebec, this is where this is where everything got off. Sorry. It's like they legalized it and you were allowed to smoke. Now they took away, you were allowed to smoke in public. It's not like uh, parks and all that. Now they took that away. So you're not allowed to smoke in public places. So the question is, if you live in an apartment or a house you're renting, you're not allowed to smoke in that, that, that place. And you're not allowed to smoke outside. But yet it's legalized to buy it. Where do you smoke it? It's a very, it's a huge um, civil liberty violation. And I think we're just a couple of court decisions away from a, a suit. And it's going to probably be a medical cannabis patient that takes it further, yeah. but even, but it shouldn't even take that. You shouldn't have to be a patient to be able to smoke in your own home, right? Like to use cannabis in your own home, 
right? Okay. Other a, than lot of, a lot of uh, patients that, or, or per se people who are living in a home when the law passed, that's when the law got changed where, okay, we don't want to smoke our house no So what happens to them people who are already there smoking? And a lot of them won't allow the cannabis but allow cigarettes. It's like you won't allow a pet, you won't allow pets but you allow a cat. You know what I mean? It's like, but it's we can create further. Look at even the insurance. Our health insurance will cover all the the most addictive painkillers and antidepressants and damaging medical pharmaceuticals. But they they will pull teeth not to cover your medical cannabis. Yeah. Unless you have the most dire of like cancers and medical conditions and severe medical. Yeah. It's not fair. But I don't At think all. it's going to be like this forever. I, I won't let it be like this forever. <laughs> what I will say, the legalization they do would a little bit less frowned upon smokers now. Because now that it's legal, more, how could I want to say this? To those kind of more people who don't look like smokers or seem to be smokers are smoking. And you're looking at the people like, oh, you smoke weed? But now that it's legal, more and more people come out saying that they smoke. So that kind of helps a lot of things too. Right, right. So what's next for you in cannabis and what you'll be doing in the cannabis community and in the cannabis industry going forward? What's coming next for you? Well, next is the podcast. It's going to be called The Gas Station. Our uh, podcast is going to be about us discussing every topic possible you can think of while smoking cannabis. I <laughs> you love know, it. I think you get more... <laughs> You have more concentration, more more focus where you're high. So you could start like you know, once you start sober and you start talking, you'll see the conversation shift when you're more high. It gets more relaxed. You get more open. You're more nonchalant. And, but what I mean, our talk is gonna be about everything. I mean, like I think one of our first episodes is gonna be about domestic violence against women. You know, but we don't want to be uptight and getting too emotional and everything when you're angry, whether it's anger, whether it's being sad or anything. But I think weed is going to help you just be able to relax and come and have a good conversation. It does. We can talk about entrepreneurship. We can be talking about everything you can think of because our, our, motor, our, our concept is what fuels you to the audience or whatever fuels you, we're going to be talking about it. But over some drinks, over some weed, having abstracts that's why i can't wait to have you on but you have you come on a show <laughs> i think it's going to be our perfect like weed show like to to to, to how i would love for it to be 420 but we're aiming to to uh, get our first show over 420. you know we're still in the process of just finalizing everything getting all the equipment working properly to start recording it's uh i just have this vision when you come on a show where, where our conversation you show me all of your little gadgets and, and all of the different buds and, and concentrations you have I can't wait to show that we got like prominent black women who smoke weed who are still just like any one of us who would come on there and have fun and enjoy cannabis the way we do normalizing cannabis that's what the bud sisters are doing every day <laughs> normalizing yeah. cannabis for black men and women across the country that's what we want yeah. to do. It's, it's about time because everybody's multi exactly no you're right you're right 
Before I let you go, let me switch gears and ask you this question I love to ask all my guests, which is, if someone were to gift you with an ounce of the finest weed, what strain would it be? And what would you do with this ounce? It could be anywhere, it could be anything. But you gotta tell us the strain and what you would do with it. Honestly, it has to be the pink gelato. Okay. Like, oof, that tastes so good. That tastes so good. It gets so hot. What would I do with it? Well, I'm, I honestly, I'm old school and I keep it old school. I roll joints, whether it's backwards, blunts, zigzags, rods, I keep it old school. So I take that out. Uh, get my back here. Get me a nice dragon stuff, sit down, and smoke. I got it. Okay. How, how long would it take you to get through that ounce? Honestly, four days. What? I <laughs> <laughs> You've just inspired me to ask my new guests. So, how long would it take you to get through that ounce? That's like, you know, a nice Easter weekend. Give me give me Friday to Monday, four days off. That's finished. Got gotcha. to be in the right environment because if I'm playing bad diamond with my cousins and that can go a little bit faster, you know? It all depends on the environment. Actually. But some kind of strings you want to keep yourself. Smoke, make it nice, relax, calm, watch a movie, enjoy the sun. I'm saying that now because it's nice though, but that's something you smoke personally to yourself. Got it. I got it. And I love it. Thank you. Could you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media before I let you go? Well, I'm on the two platforms, IG and Facebook. You can find me at Jason Shamba Fraser on Facebook or on Instagram at Shamba, a.k.a. Mr. Burks. Or you can find me at the gas station 514. Gas station 514. I can't wait for your podcast to drop. And I'm looking forward to being on it with my Padna Natalie. It'll be like a Montreal Burgundy reunion. I'm going to love it. <laughs> love it. Oh, sorry. I got to uh, shout out my, 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 my partner, Mustafa, and my co host, Socks, for the rest of your team of us. That's my podcast. Love it. Can't wait to meet them. Well, thank you so much for speaking to me and to for sharing your, your cannabis journey and your story with, with our listeners. Thank you so much, Jason. It's been a pleasure having you. I appreciate you having me. A lot of you, I hope you, I hope you guys and listeners know that me and you have like a real long, long friendship, like over 30 years. So it's, it's an honor to be on your show. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thank you. And we will get together soon. Stay lifted. Oh, stay high. <laughs> You've been listening to the Miss Weed Wiki podcast, and we thank you for your support.